story of the Chicago Calumet system is one that is really a model for community involvement. In 1900, the river really was terribly polluted. The city of Chicago raised itself out of the swamp and basically designed sewer, its sewer system so that it would go straight into the Chicago River. And when Friends of the Chicago River was formed in 1979, people still really thought the river was part of the sewer system. And that's where community groups like Friends of the Chicago River come in. sweet blues turnaround guitar riff to go with this remarkable story of the turnaround of the Chicago River. Hi, this is Dave Kaler, and welcome to River Speak, where we discover rivers through the stories of people that would work to save them. In this episode, the second in a series devoted to new life for big city rivers, we discover the Chicago River through conversation with Margaret Frisbee, Executive Director of the Friends of the Chicago River. We'll learn about the river's history and the important work the Friends are doing to improve the health of the river system and lay the foundation for the Chicago River to be a beautiful, continuous, and easily accessible corridor of open space in the region. First, let's step back in time to the 1600s and fully appreciate the importance of the Chicago River and its role in supporting the communities of the metropolitan area today, which totals about 9.5 million people. For millennia, indigenous people of the region relied on the area's rich natural resources and traveled waterways connecting Lake Michigan to the Mississippi River via a short portage. In 1673, Native Americans showed the French explorers a spot where they could portage just one and a half miles, creating a travel route between the Great Lakes and the rivers of the Great Northwest. The spot became known as the Chicago Portage. It wasn't long before plans for a canal were in the works. Travel, trade, and industry followed, and the city of Chicago emerged. So let's join Margaret Frisbee now to learn more about the Chicago River watershed and the remarkable turnaround in recent years, new life being restored. So the Chicago River watershed is a really interesting place. The river system itself is 156 miles, and part of it is the original river that was here pre-permanent uh, U.S. settlement. And a lot of it is actually been straightened. The river system's even been reversed. There were canals dug to connect, uh, permanently connect the Chicago River system and the Calumet River system to the Des Plaines River and ultimately the Illinois River and the Mississippi. So we, you know, send waste and other things down downstream all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. And so the, the area that we live is an enormous metropolitan area. There's two counties, Lake County and Cook County, and there is an extraordinary uh, range of economic uh, wealth, as well as a, a wonderful diversity of people, which is better than the, the spread of the wealth. So there's basically we have we run the gamut from you know economic status and racial and ethnic diversity, and it's really an interesting place. And there are city and suburbs, industrial areas. It's just an astounding place, and but yet yeah, still full of wildlife. 
for people not familiar with the Chicago area, Lake Michigan is the source of the city's drinking water and also for many of the municipalities here. And so in 1900, after the city had grown exponentially from about 100 people in the 1820s to over a million by the end of that century, there was a huge problem with sewage and other waste in the water and contaminating the drinking water. So the Water Reclamation District, which was initially formed as the Chicago Sanitary District, reversed the river in order to send the flow away from Lake Michigan in the drinking water intakes. And it's served that purpose. However, it opened up a whole lot of other problems. And many people will have read about an Asian carp invasion, which uh, there's a big threat that maybe Asian carp will get into the Great Lakes and disrupt the Great Lakes ecosystem, as well as other rivers that flow into the Great Lakes. With the river's reversal and the other engineering feats that Margaret describes, I think you get the picture that the Chicago River is a complicated place. And the health of the Chicago River has far-reaching implications from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico. So with the reversal of the Chicago River system, and people are more familiar with the reversal of the Chicago River, but they also reversed the Calumet River system. So these two once separate waterways come together and then flow together into the Des Plaines River, then the Illinois, then the Mississippi River, and downstream to the Gulf of Mexico. So there's a huge amount of commerce, but we also sent nutrient pollution from Cook County, where Chicago is, down to the Gulf of Mexico and contribute to the dead zone there. So, you know, with Asian carp and with, you know, contributing pollutants, it's really something that I think a century and a bit later we would have reconsidered as probably not a good idea. In 1972, Congress authorized the Clean Water Act, which set an important foundation for water quality in our waterways. For the greatest impact, collaboration between local, state, federal, and nonprofit partners is essential. And that's where Friends of the Chicago River comes in. The story of the Chicago Calumet system is one that is really a model for community involvement in 1900, the river really was terribly polluted. The city of Chicago raised itself out of the swamp and basically designed sewer, its sewer system so that it would go straight into the Chicago River, add industry, add population growth, and you just end up with this terrible waterway that by the mid part of the 20th century had sewage in the river on an average every three days. So that was just extraordinary. So there were barely any species of fish. You know, the documentation shows, you know, somewhere between seven and 10 in the 1970s. And when Friends of the Chicago River was formed in 1979, people still really thought the river was part of the sewer system. And of course, the Clean Water Act was leading to cleanup and rules and regulations. Our local sewage agency had, you know, installed treatment plants, but seriously, not enough work was getting done and nobody was taking it seriously as a natural resource. And that's where community groups like Friends of the Chicago River come, come in, is that people were able to see past the sewage, see it was terribly fenced off, so you couldn't even access the river. And so they, I always like to say our founders could see past the fences and the sewage, and they started taking people on the river. They fought for public access and statutes that allowed for riverfront development for the public as new properties came online and, and land was redeveloped. And started a change the narrative and it started talking about people and wildlife and how this was a natural resource that should benefit everybody. And that has really continued to this day and we've seen extraordinary improvement 
85% of the sewage that used to end up in the river is gone. The species of fish are now in the mid 70s. The abundance of fish and other wild beaver, you know, other wildlife like beavers and turtles and muskrats and you know, fish-eating birds. We have state endangered black crown night herons all over the river system. And even the occasional river otter, which is an enormous sign of success. And then from a human point of view, the river has opened up. There's canoes and kayaks and people fishing and water taxis and the Chicago River Walk. But most importantly, there's places along the river where people from every community can get to the water and really enjoy this, this special natural resource. And so while we're not to the point where we're swimming regularly, that is occurring and, and people are accepting that as part of the present and future of the Chicago River System. With the positive changes in the health of the river system, I asked Margaret if she could describe how communities were engaging with the river. Well, 20 years ago, there were barely any canoe and kayak launches. There were no real River Edge restaurants anywhere, anywhere near the water. People were still surprised when you talked about the river as a place to go, as a destination. And now if you were in downtown Chicago, if you were up north in the Skokie Lagoons, if you were on the Little Calumet River, you would see boat traffic, you would see people fishing, there's restaurants. I mean, it is booming with activity. And in fact, there's even a Chicago River Safety Council that looks at river use because the, the downtown area is so congested with boat traffic that they want to make sure that it's safe. And so that's a problem that 20 years ago, frankly, when I started at Friends, was unimaginable. There's also people pushing for a big swimming event. So we want to do open water swimming. We launched an event called the Big Jump with a water reclamation district commissioner named Josina Morita because we wanted to help people visualize people in the water, which we know is happening. There's, you know, I've seen kids on the North Branch of the Chicago River swimming. I've seen photos of kids on the South Branch swimming. There's people in jet skis. And so we've worked really hard to get this idea out that we need to make sure that we are doing every single thing that we possibly can to make sure that any access to the river is safe. So, we, you know, there's a lot of people enjoying it as a natural resource, but also as a cultural resource where it's a place to go to meet your friends, to go out for a drink, to bring your kids and just really hang out and enjoy it. It's important to celebrate progress and take stock of the achievements that have been made on the Chicago River. Margaret also has her eyes wide open to the challenges that lie ahead, and we talked about those a little bit. Like many urban areas, there's a legacy of pollution that is complex, you know. There were manufactured gas facilities along the river system. There's uh, our infamous Bubbly Creek, which was next to the Union Stockyards, where the um, stockyards actually dumped everything that they didn't use into the creek. And so it still bubbles. And so the sediments there are a combination of organic and industrial pollutants. There's, of course, a lot of our habitat is fragmented. Although most of the river bank has, is natural, there's a lot of steel walls. It's a lacking in-stream habitat and still not enough public access. And then complicating all that is, of course, the climate crisis. And so while we have this massive tunnel and reservoir plan, which is absorbing and capturing and treating sewage and stormwater when there's rain events, the rain event patterns have changed. And so it's not working at the level that it should be. And that's gonna to continue to become a problem as rain events increase. 
And so we need to be looking at regional nature-based solutions using green infrastructure. So we're absorbing rainwater where it falls as opposed to letting it ever even reach a sewage pipe in a sewage treatment process and ultimately the river. And we need to work on connectivity and wildlife habitat, landscape scale restoration projects, and just you know continue to invest in, even in these urban areas, micro to macro habitats, which will benefit wildlife health. And you know people are used to talking about monarchs and pollinators and how they're at risk in birds, but also public health is at risk. And if we don't act, you know, we're all going to suffer for it. We've launched something called the Chicago River Watershed Council, which is a regional approach to managing stormwater using nature-based solutions. And what you get when you do that is not only are we going to work on absorbing stormwater on a regional scale, so you know, reducing stormwater runoff and sewage pollution, or basement backups or neighborhood flooding. But by doing it, we will create and expand the amount of public open space, which has a huge amount of benefits for wildlife habit habitat, you know, environmental justice, reducing combined sewer overflows, reducing erosion, and just you know, cooling the, the planet and making it more resilient to the climate crisis. So the more that we invest in creating natural places that are healthy, the stronger we will be in withstanding and the climate crisis and as we work to adapt to it. In addressing significant challenges like these, vertical integration of elected official support at the local, state, and federal level, as well as collaboration with public agencies and community groups, is essential. Here you can get a sense of the Friends of the Chicago River's approach in this area. Friends of the Chicago River is part of a variety of collaborations. Our Chicago River Watershed Council works with uh, county government, city government, uh, the Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus. We are also part of broader collaborations with the Great Lakes coalitions. So looking at regional funding for the Great Lakes Recovery Initiative, we will be reaching out to our Illinois delegation in DC to try and make sure that some of the 30 by 30 money comes this way. And we're also paying attention to the UN sustainability goals Last year, we received an award for uh, gold number 14, Life Underwater. And we really think that this global participation, global outreach, global connectivity is the key to all of our success. And so we'll continue to work hyper-locally at the same time that we're trying to be part of the bigger effort and trying to you know, get some of those funds to come to Chicago, which you know, the sh urban areas are often neglected when they, we think about natural spaces, but they're very important. People live here, you know, Chicago, the Chicago area has a huge amount of natural resources with our forest preserves and public parks. And in fact, compared to central Illinois, where it's, you know, corn and soybean, this has actually got a lot of biodiversity. And so we need to focus on bringing dollars here to protect what we have and expand it. In the segment ahead, we learn about the Friends of the Chicago River's three program areas, and we find out how youth and the community become involved. So Friends of the Chicago River works through three program areas. We do education and outreach programs designed to inform people and build a stewardship ethic. We do on-the-ground projects, so those are projects that are, you know, physically improve the health of the river and adjacent lands while demonstrating what's, pol what's possible. And then we also do public policy and planning, which is the long-term systemic work to make change, like you know, driving rules and regulations and those kinds of improvements. So on the education and outreach front, we have 
you know, a whole lot of programs where you can come out and roll up your sleeves and get 30, you know, doing riverbank restoration, collecting litter through our litter-free Chicago River program. We have a bridge house museum that's in downtown Chicago, which is in a historic bridge house, which is a Chicago landmark. And it tells the story of, you know, what the Chicago River was like as people's use of it changed. So pre-permanent settlement, the river was a natural, wonderful prairie stream that was alive with wildlife. And then some people moved here and eventually we, as I mentioned, raised the city, drove, put our sewer system into the river and, you know, kind of it tells the whole story of where we are today, which is the bright future of the Chicago River and all the many positive things that have happened. So we try and engage people through um, hands-on opportunities, but also through education. We have a very robust schools program called the Chicago River Schools Network. And we work through teachers or through direct programs to educate kids about how they're connected to nature and the environment. And that's been something that since that program was started, something like 450,000 students have been impacted. So that's building the next generation of advocates and people who understand, you know, how they might be connected to the environment and what they can do about it. The Chicago River Schools Network serves students kindergarten through high school of the region. Let's find out a little bit more about the program's activities and the schools they work with. The Chicago River Schools Network is active with many schools in, that are Chicago public schools, as well as suburban schools within the watershed and some private schools. And so it's a, it's a smattering of different schools, but the, uh, the predominant participants are Chicago public schools. The teachers are eager for opportunities, eager to have uh, places for their students to go. They could go on field trips with us and go out to the river and put on waders and lick up, lift up rocks to find out what lives underneath it. And when you identify what lives underneath a rock in a river, you also can identify this, the quality of the water. And so it's an opportunity for this kind of hands-on experiential learning. And teachers really appreciate that, especially in Chicago public schools where a lot of the resources are limited. Margaret joined the staff of the Friends of Chicago River in 2000, and in 2005 became its executive director. She grew up in a family of activists of outdoors people. In the segment of Head, we get a sense of her passion for public health, the wildlife of the Chicago River, and providing the opportunities for others to enjoy nature like the big jump. The Big Jump, which we started, I want to say, four years ago, has really fun, unexpectedly opened people's eyes to what's possible for the Chicago River. We had elected officials, federal level, so Congress people and state level and local level, and our important partners with the Army Corps of Engineers, Water Reclamation District. And jumping in the Chicago River on a hot summer day is a ton of fun. And the other thing that I would add besides just endless opportunities to kayak and not through work, unfortunately, but on the weekend on my own. The other thing is that the year I started at Friends of the Chicago River, I was asked to start a canoe and kayak race in order to work on water quality. So the way that the Clean Water Act works is that you need to conduct a new sustainability analysis every three years for every water body. And that drives the standards that govern the water body. And for the Chicago River system, that had not happened in decades. So we launched this Chicago River Flatwater Classic 
in order to get people to pay attention to how people were using the waterway. And so to create something from nothing and end up with 500 people, all ages, on the river system, really laying the foundation to the very, very busy recreation and canoe and kayak liveries that are around now. It, it was really exciting and so much fun. And, you know, on occasion, I was even allowed to paddle it um, and participate. So just really a joyful experience to see the people and the color and the boats, but even how people can enjoy a natural resource in such an urban area. People are always surprised by the abundance of wildlife in urban areas. And I know for me that when we're in the woods, we've had some amazing adventures where we've seen coyotes, we've seen foxes, we've seen mink, we've seen muskrats, woodchucks. And, you know, most of the time what you're seeing is migratory birds, but often that you catch a glimpse or you can see evidence of footprints. And so you could notice a raccoon footprint or a deer hoof footprint. And so for me, just the fact that those wild animals are present at all is a huge thrill. And I would say it's hard to choose a favorite, but I really do have to say that coming across beavers, is there's something really magical to me about that because they're such industrious creatures and they're go, go, going, and you just don't associate beavers with the urban area. And yet they're not infrequent. So I think it's a real thrill when you get to come across a beaver. Friends of the Chicago River recently started a podcast and I interviewed someone called Ben Goldfarb, who wrote a book called Eager, The Surprising Secret Life of Beavers and Why They Matter. And there's a whole lot of really great information in it about how beavers live, where they live, what they do, and the many different environments that they can be found. You know, I live in the city of Chicago and I really want Chicago and the suburbs to be a place where people can experience nature and get all the benefits from it at the same time that we're contributing to the health of the planet. I know that we open a lot of eyes when we talk about natural resources and wildlife and how it connects to humans. And one of the things that we've really been working on sharing most recently is how access to nature is good for public health. It's good for people's psychological health. It's good for their physical health. I mean, literally, calms people down, reduces stress, helps kids learn better in schools. And there's so much evidence to show that having access to nature is really important for all of us. And that's something that we're really trying to drive home as we look at, you know, what what's the future of the planet Earth? We need to be thinking collectively about global health, but also local health. And so if we can build this connection between our natural areas and people that weren't already naturally participating in going canoeing or riding their bikes or hiking along a river system or through the woods, we think it's something that this is just an extraordinary amount of benefit, including their public health. So that's you know really a big priority for us right now. No matter where you live in the country, there's some natural resource that you can connect to and that I would encourage people to go find their local river, their local forest preserves, their local state parks, and just get outside and enjoy nature and bring someone with you. I think there's just extraordinary benefit to doing that for your own self, but also understanding how we're all connected to the planet, that we all have a real responsibility to help make it better. And what's healthy for the planet is healthy for the people. And that's one of our core messages is that we want to make sure people feel and understand these connections so that they can take action and know why it's important. And they'll get, you know, they'll get paid back. It's, it's wonderful to be part of this kind of action. And so I just encourage people to get out and you know, take control of their lives and involve themselves with nature 
and improving public health and our natural environment. Well, I think we've come to that time where we need to let Margaret get back to her work on the Chicago River. We're sure lucky to have her and her colleagues bringing new life to one of America's big city rivers. I hope you enjoyed Margaret's story and discovering the remarkable improvement in the river's health that the Friends of the Chicago River is striving to achieve. To find out more about Friends of the Chicago River or to support Margaret's work, go to chicagoriver.org. All episodes of Riverspeak Podcasts, along with links, podcast notes, and photos are available on our website, riverspeak.org. Riverspeak Podcast is produced from my home studio in Sebastopol, California, and hosted by Buzzsprout. You can listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Directories. All rivers have stories that ripple. I'm Dave Kaler. Be well and do good work.